You can clap. That was half-hearted clapping. Come on. Come on. It's, all right, all right. Vanessa was just talking about that, right? You got to be either all in, all right? All right, all right. So we're, we're all in with the clap, all in with the clapping here. So I, all in, all in. Hey, we're uh, in for a treat a little bit as we get started tonight because, as Vanessa referenced, our young people have been at the Origins Conference, which is a con- I know, I know, it's been good. And so it's one that we participate in with our young people every year out in Chester, Virginia at the House of Prayer. And so uh, we've tapped a few of them to share with you a little bit about their journey. Now, you know, it can be hard to be up in front of people. And for some of them, maybe tonight, this is going to be the first time they've ever done that. And so uh, we just appreciate their courage to be able to come and share their story. So uh, David Godwin's going to come now with a microphone. He's going to help them a little bit. And then whoever has been picked first... You're on. All right, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cassidy Parnell. I am with the Bureau family. I'm sure you know them. They're amazing. Um, so I just want to start off saying that I'm actually really anxious right now. I don't do public speaking. It is my number one fear. And, um, but <laughs> this morning, actually, our first session, um, the, the speaker said, was talking about the four tactics of the devil. And the first one was that he is looking to know your weakness. And I just feel like I'm really overcoming that weakness right now. Um, I actually had a dream last night that I would be up here speaking in front of all of you. And then um, in the car ride here, one of our, our youth leaders, Sally, told me that when the idea of speaking came up, she thought of me. So I just felt like those were two signs or like confirmation of God that, you know, this is in his plan for me and just to get out of my comfort zone. Um, so Origins, we left Thursday. I was actually really dreading it. Um, I didn't want to go. I didn't think it would be anything for me. Um, You know, I just didn't think I'd get much out of it. You know, Thursday night, you know, the session was okay. Worship was good. It wasn't anything special, you know, for me. Just nothing, nothing special happened. But then um, really on Friday night, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. You know, I was, I was worshiping, and I was just in the moment, and God really spoke to me, and he said, you know, I could overcome these anxieties and just insecurities and, and our, my circumstances through my faith in him. Um, you know, just really give me the strength to push through. So, um, you know, in that moment, I just really felt the Holy Spirit, you know, washing over me and filling me up. Um, it was just super consuming, and the whole experience was amazing. So um, I just want to close in a verse. It's uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, with, uh, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do this. 
Oh, my name is Jalen, and some of you know me. If you don't know me, my name is Jalen again. <laughs> and, um, and I had a great time at Origins. I didn't. It was my first time going, and you know, and I've been going to this church for like six months now, so I'm kind of getting used and comfortable to it. So, um, as Cassie was talking about, I really like Will Harper, the um, this morning service, and he was talking about like how. Yeah, about the ways that the devil tries to get to you, and when you like when you don't say anything, that's why he has you. And like you know, if you don't talk about it, that's when and he tries to distract you and get you alone, as you know, so he can like you know. And then the thing that God tries to tell people that he has no control over you, and he, well, God doesn't have control over you, but sometimes he, you have to be God's hands and feet. And, you know, sometimes, and, like, God, and anybody can help you. Like, God can use anybody to, you know. And the one thing that people don't, should get through, that you should open your heart and listen to God instead of you keep, you know, you keep talking to him, telling him about your words. You need yes. to listen to him sometimes. And, and some things that, like, on Friday night, it's like, God, I opened my heart and listened to God. And he was like, you should, it's like, you should, like, speak the gospel. And I'm only in sixth grade, so I'm like, oh, God. And I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and it's like, I'm, I'm trying to keep cool. <laughs> As he's like talking to me, I'm just listening, listening. He's like, "You should go to your school, try, and I will like bring one person to help you out, so you won't be alone." And like, yeah, and things like that, and yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, hello everyone. My name is Brad. For those of you who don't know, um, so one of my favorite books from the Bible that we learned about was the story about Lazarus. And so, the main reason why I like that is because um, it showed that everyone there, you know, they were telling Jesus that Lazarus had died within the last four days, and no one had faith. And so. Um, as Jalen over there was saying that uh, the devil, you know, he tries to lower our faith and make us not believe in Jesus. And so um, Jesus, you know, he got mad. And so he's like, he's only sleeping. And so he goes, he goes to wake him up. And so then Lazarus, he comes out, out of his uh, tomb. And so um, he tells everyone, well, you, you have no faith because you did not believe that I can raise, that I can, um, uh, that I can resurrect Lazarus from the dead. And so uh, I believe that, you know, if God can do that, then, you know, he can do everything else. Yeah. Um, 
So Origins was great. I'm Alexis, if anybody doesn't know me. Um, but <laughs> Origins was a great experience. It was my first time. And one of the things that really spoke to me was um, Friday's morning service. Um, Julia had talked to us about um, things that Jesus does, like when we're in a tough season. And he was saying that, um, that he hears us. And the night before that, I had was like writing in my book, and I had just written, like, God hears us. He hears when we're talking to him. And that's what prayer is about. And prayer isn't some type of, like, script. You're not supposed to just follow something and say one thing. But you're supposed to be talking, and he's going to talk to you back. God speaks more than we listen. And so that's just what one of the things that just really spoke to me this weekend at Origins. Come on, they did great, didn't they? That was fantastic. So good. And just, just, we just want to take just a second and talk about our, our young people too, because we have a hope for the next generation. Can we just say that? So, I mean, we, we, we just have a, a, a conviction at City Life that we're going to give our youth a forum to tell their God stories. And so they're gonna, it's going to be in our services. It's gonna, and we hope you're doing that in your, in, your, in your time as a family, is letting, God is speaking to our children. And, and they don't have to, we don't have to wait for them to become adults before they can hear from God. And so make sure that you're giving your children a form in your home and in your family. Ask them the question. We, we ask our children lots of questions, do we not? How was school, right? One of the questions we should ask them is, what's God speaking to you? What's God saying to you? And, and, and part of that creates, begin an expectation, and then that God can speak, and he's certainly is. And so the second thing, one of the things we're going to do as a church is that we're going to give them a platform for ministry. We're going to give our young people a platform for ministry, and we're going to have lots of grace for lots of mistakes. Can we just say that? Because when you let young people leave, when you let young people experiment in ministry, they're going to make a lot of mistakes, just like we made a lot of mistakes when we were young, just like we make a lot of mistakes now when we're grown up. And so we're just going to be a church that gives our young people a platform for ministry, young leaders a platform for ministry, and we're just going to have a tremendous amount of grace for mistakes that they might make. It's good. Come on, you can clap for that. And then the third thing I just want to share before we get into tonight's message is that, that we're going to have something, that you've heard me use this phrase before, we, we have generational tethers. Generational tethers are things as a church that you say, we're going to let this belong to our young people. If, if you don't have generational tethers as a church, we're all going to blink, we're going to be 85, and they're going to be gone. Does that make sense? So there, there has to be things that the, the generation of the now is giving to the young people so that they feel like they are a part today and that they don't have to wait for some inheritance of the church later. It's a generational, and one of us is our music. Our music is a generational tether for us. So if you're old like me, right, I'm gonna be 48 in March. If you're here and you're thinking, this really isn't the kind of music that I would prefer to worship to, or if it's a little bit too loud, then I know we're doing it just right. We're doing it just right. Because the music for us is a generational tether. It belongs to the next generation. We had our turn. And maybe you say, well, I wasn't in the church when I was young. Well, that's okay. Welcome to sacrifice, right? 
This is part of Christianity, is that, that, that God might be asking you to give that up for the next generation. We want our young people to feel like there's some things that they own today. We want them here today because we need them to be here tomorrow, because one day we've got to pass the baton, and we don't want to turn around and see that that generation has left as it is in so many churches. So we love our young people. We love our youth leaders. And we love these moments where they get to get away and they get to hear from God, because they're going to be pastoring us one day. They're going to be leading us one day, and so we're going to invest a tremendous amount in their lives. All right, I could preach on that the whole rest of the night. Come on, it's good. All right, 1 Thessalonians 1 through 3. I had four things that I was going to talk about tonight. I think I'm going to get through two of them, and, uh, and then we're going to push the other two. We're, we're in a series called Project Hope, and what we've been doing here, what Pastor Jamie's been doing in Williamsburg, is we're kind of following the word hope through the Bible, and then as we're reading, as we're studying, then the places we get to where we feel like God speaks to us, we kind of camp on that for a little while. And so it was a few weeks ago, I was reading in First Thessalonians, First, I'm going to actually read out of the New American Standard. Let me grab this one here. Let me read this to you, and this will help you understand where we're headed. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Here it comes. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and a steadfastness of hope. Let me read that again. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. So as I was reading that a few weeks ago, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, I I want you to teach on these three words. And many of us are familiar with this idea of faith, hope, and love being grouped together. But 1 Corinthians 13 gets all the attention. But really here in 1 Thessalonians is the first time Paul ever grouped these three together. This is the first moment in Paul's ministry of writing letters, which has become scripture for us, that he puts these three together. And so we're going to dig around into this text. And it was my intention that tonight that we were going to dig around and, and spend some time talking talking about these three words and how they relate together, especially in this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonians. But then in my my prep time and in prayer, I wanted to bring some introductory remarks. I wanted to talk a little about who is this guy Paul and why did he travel to all these cities and why are some cities given a a, a mention bigger than others? What was all this about, his missionary journeys and what, what is this place, Thessalonica? And so as I was studying that, I began to realize that those weren't just supposed to be introductory remarks, that there was a message in the context that was going to be given to us. And I found there, I felt like God spoke to me four hopes that we're supposed to have together as a church. I think we're probably going to get through two of them tonight, and we'll push the two to next week. But this is where our journey is going to start. This is where the journey started for me as I was digging around a little bit, trying to create a little history, a little context that we were going to learn a little bit. And there are some powerful truth that's in here waiting for us tonight. Acts 13, 1 through 4. Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaean, and Saul. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, I love that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This is a seed moment. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more in a minute. This is the beginning of Paul's life as a missionary right here. 
Now, we know the end of the story, so we know so much about the Apostle Paul, but none of that's happened yet. This is a seed moment. There, there's a decision where God speaks. He's in a worship service much like this, and people began to gather around them and began to pray, and then all of a sudden God began to speak. And the beginning of his ministry as an apostle and as a missionary to the world was born in this one moment. Right, we think about most of the book of Acts. We think about the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. 14 of the 27 books of the Bible started right here in this moment. He'd not written any of those things. God had not called him to do any of those things, but there is a moment of decision where he had to decide if he was gonna be obedient to the thing that God was asking him to do, and it came in a prophetic moment in a service just like this. We have a hope here at the City Life Church that individual prophetic moments happen when we gather together for our times of corporate worship and prayer. Let me say that again. We have a hope at City Life that individual prophetic moments happen when we gather together for times of corporate worship and prayer. Let me read to you out of 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. All right, I know it's in here somewhere. I don't want to lose that because that's going to be important to you in a few minutes. All right, 1 Corinthians 14. Here we go, 4 through 5. A person who speaks in a spiritual language is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. This is what Paul says. I wish you could all speak in a spiritual language, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in a spiritual language unless someone interprets what you're saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Paul had an expectation that people who were devoted followers of Christ were in services just like this. It wasn't part of Paul's, Paul's parent. it wasn't part of his paradigm. There was no concept for, for Paul to be a devoted follower of Christ and not be a part of a spiritual family. And if you're part of a spiritual family, Paul just naturally assumed that you're going to gather together with that spiritual family for times of worship and prayer and teaching because one of the things that Paul wanted the early church to understand is that God is going to speak to you when you gather together. That there's, can he speak to you when you're at home by yourself? Absolutely. He speaks to me. I hope he speaks to you. But there's something about the nature of God where he loves it when his family gets together. There are things that he says when his people gather together. I come every weekend with such a sense of excitement and enthusiasm. Not that just that, there's a part of me that says, God, what do you want to speak to me tonight? But there's another part of me that says, God, what are you going to speak to people? There's just this expectation that when you come, and I hope you come with the same expectation. I hope you come with the same sense of excitement and enthusiasm that the creator of the universe has something that he wants to say to me. And sometimes there's something that he says to you that he wants you to say to other people. He wants to use you to speak into the lives of other people. Now, that, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think one of them is because sometimes in our own humanity, right, in our relationship with God, we don't want to hear what he has to say because maybe of the demand that he's going to make to us, and so we might be ignoring God. And you know what God does? He doesn't give up on us. He says, all right, if you're not going to listen, I'm going to tell Bob. And Bob, he's going to come, and he's going to grab you by the collar of your shirt if that's what you need, because he loves you, right? He's going to call you and invite you out for coffee or for lunch or maybe for a nice 12-ounce sirloin like I had at the Outback last night, medium rare, if you were on Facebook, delicious. Sometimes God is going to use you 
to talk to other people on his behalf. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be odd. You don't have to speak in the King James. You don't have to tremble and shake. When you do it, you with me? We have a saying, another saying here, we believe in all the power without the pageantry. It just doesn't have to have all of this drama that goes along with it. If that's what other churches want, we're not saying, but we're just saying that's not part of who we are. God can just talk to us. It's a conversation. You need to be in that conversation. He's speaking to you, but sometimes he's gonna choose you to speak to other people. I loved it when Pastor Joe Jansen last weekend, right? Was that not a great message he shared with us? Anytime the pastor's talking about himself in a story in tidy whities you know it's gonna be a great night, right? <laughs> but there was a prophetic moment that happened in that service, if you remember. It's subtle. Prophetic moments happen in a subtle way here, like what Vanessa got up and shared. That was an unplanned part of our service. We believe that God speaks, and we make room for that in our services, there was a moment in the service last week where, where, where Pastor Joe Jansen, he was preaching, and then he just stopped. If you remember, and he said, there are going to be people here that God calls to be on the mission field, right? There's going to be people, he said, that God's going to call out of this congregation. He's going to send you to different parts of the world. He doesn't know the big emphasis that we've had on missions, right? We just had a team come back from the Dominican Republic. How timely was that? That's God speaking. That's God confirming. And then he had some other things that he was sharing. That was a prophetic moment in our service, there's times where we're gonna, you're gonna hear us say things like, uh, I, I really feel like God's saying, or I have such a strong sense tonight. Th- those are us saying to you, hey, this is a prophetic moment that's happening in our service where God is speaking. When you feel like God's speaking to you, these are the four questions that I ask myself, and so I'm sharing them with you tonight because you need to incorporate these things into your God conversation, especially when you gather together in a corporate time of worship. The first thing that you should be asking yourself is, is this word for me? So you might have a verse of scripture that comes to mind where you're just in the worship set, and one, like one of the young people just said being lost in the moment in the worship set. There might be a verse of scripture that just comes to mind. There might be a picture. There, there might be some thought, and, and, and you just know that that's God speaking to you. It, the great place of start is, God, is this for me? And then you might feel like, you know what, I, I, I think there's something in it for me, but I feel like this is for somebody else. And so the next question you should ask yourself is, is it for someone here? It's okay when you're worshiping to stop and look around the room a little bit. I do that oftentimes, sometimes because it just inspires me to see other people in a place of worship. That's another sermon for another time. But sometimes it's because I feel like God has spoken something to me, and so I'm looking around the room to see if, there, if there's a face that I'm going to see, and God's going to say, it's for them. Is it for somebody here? So maybe you work through those first two and you still don't have any clarity. The next question you should come to is, is this for someone who isn't here? Maybe God's given you something because you're gonna go out to eat after church and and maybe it's for the person that's waiting on your table. Maybe it's for a person that's gonna be in the lobby waiting for a table with you. Does that make sense? That you're you're, you're gonna have it and you're gonna, you know what, it's not for anybody here, but you're just carrying, and then all of a sudden you begin to go on a journey of looking and then you're gonna see a face. It may be it's somebody that you don't know or maybe it's somebody you do know. God's gonna quicken your spirit say it's for them and then you've got to follow through and share it is it for everyone here that's why we have a microphone up here during our worship services is that sometimes we know that God's going to speak to people in the service during the time of worship now we need to know who you are we're not going to let people that are strangers to us that's not a healthy thing we don't believe but we need to know who you are but if you feel like that God's speaking to you then maybe if you've been tracking with us for any amount of time maybe you've been a part of the church they've been in those services where somebody comes up and we pause the service maybe at the end or during the worship and we let them share what they feel like God is saying God wants to speak to us and sometimes he's going to use you to do it 
We have a hope and an expectation that individual prophetic moments are going to happen when we gather together for times of corporate worship and prayer. All right, let's do the next one. Acts 16, 1 through 5. All right, I can't find my places tonight. It's in here somewhere. All right, I'm just going to have to turn for it, just like you. Acts 16, 1 through 5. All right, here we go. Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey, and in deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, right? That's a really high standard to meet before you go on a missions trip. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek, and then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem so the churches were strengthened and their faith grew large, and they're strengthening their faith and they grew larger every day. So this is at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, right? So he goes on his first missionary journey and they travel all throughout these places on the Mediterranean. They're preaching and planting churches and they get back and they're excited and then God calls them to go on a second missionary journey. He, this is the second of three that he goes on. And so he's, he's on this trip and then in one of the cities where they stops, he meets this young man, Timothy. Again, we've got first Timothy, we've got second Timothy. These are letters that Paul wrote to him later in life talking about this generational connection. He's, Paul knows he's not gonna be in this world forever so he's preparing the next generation to come behind him. But that relationship would have never happened if Paul had not gone. There's this moment, what we see is that God is speaking to Paul to go on a journey because there's a work to be done, but as he's obedient to go and do the work that God has put into his hand, there are people that God is trying to connect his life to. We have a hope at City Life that God is providentially connecting people's lives for kingdom purposes when we are obedient to going. Let me read it again. We have a hope at City Life that God is providentially connecting people's lives for kingdom purposes when we're obedient and going. We love the relationship that we see happening in, in, in the history of Israel between Nehemiah and Ezra as God began to rebuild Jerusalem. Guess what? That relationship would have never been born if Nehemiah had not been obedient to go. We love the relationship that we see between Paul and Timothy, but that relationship would have never been born if Paul had not been obedient to go, and if Timothy had not been obedient to go with him. And I think about the relationships in this room that I have with so many of you. I do not want to imagine my life without them, but none of them would exist if back in 2007 when God called us to this church, none of those relationships would exist if we had not been obedient to come. Think of some of you in this room. As you look around and you see these friendships and these relationships that you have at some point, you came for the first time because God was calling you here for some reason. If we are not obedient and going, there are relationships that we will miss out on in this life. Not every act of obedience and going is geographic. Not every act of obedience and going is geographic. 
Nehemiah had a calling to leave a place where he was, to go to a place where he was called to do for the work of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. But when he got there, the going that the people had to step into did not have anything to do with leaving like it was with Nehemiah. Their going was to go out and do the work that God had put in front of them in the place that they lived. Sometimes this going isn't geographic. Sometimes the going is just to be faithful to the work that God has put in front of you. I love in Nehemiah 3, there's a phrase that gets repeated a few times. It says that there were people that came out of their houses and they worked on the part of the wall that was in front of their home. They didn't have to go very far, but there was still a work of obedience that they had to do. There was a work that God had placed in their hands. Think about Pastor Justin and Stephanie who aren't here this weekend. They've been at Origins with all of our young people, but it was nine years ago. Where our, this church is celebrating its ninth anniversary at the end of January, and so nine years ago, Pastor Justin had graduated from William & Mary. He had made a decision for Christ his senior year through the college ministry of Christian Life Center. He was in a service just like this, and God spoke to him. When they were announcing that this church called the City Life Church was gonna be planted down here on the peninsula in the Regal Movie Theater over there off of Victory, God spoke to Justin as a, this, this graduating senior and said, I want you to be a part of that trip. He had just started following Christ, but he was in a church like this church that had an expectation that God speaks to us. So God speaks to him prophetically in that service, and so he's just a brand new Christian. He's a part of the plant team, and the next thing you know, right, he's passed our young people. God is providentially connecting people's lives for kingdom purposes when we are obedient and going. If you had a child that was up here sharing tonight, part of that moment happened because nine years ago there was a young man who answered a call in his life to leave where he was and to go to a different place. God has stuff like that just for you just for you. Every person that's in here, God has places that you're supposed to go and things that you're supposed to do. He wants your name to be a name in the story. He wants your name to be the name of Nehemiah. He wants your name to be the name of Timothy. He wants your, 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 are you tracking with me tonight? The world might not ever know it like we know those stories, but what makes it extraordinary is not that you're famous. What makes it extraordinary is not that it brings some measure of wealth to your life. What makes it extraordinary is that it's God's dream for you, and you get to know the fulfillment of walking in the smile of your father because you're obedient to the places that you're going and the relationships you find and the places when you get there, and then the work that even comes far beyond. Where am I to go? I hope you're asking yourself that question. If you call this your church home and there's not a ministry that you're actively involved in, we're, we, hey, we're not trying to just fill names on a roster. We're not trying to get people involved because we just want you to be busy doing work because we don't want to have to do it all ourselves. What, what, kind, of, what kind of church culture is that? We're excited about you getting involved in the work of the ministry because of what we're talking about tonight. That there is a work that God has put you into this world to do and if you would give yourself to that moment, you're gonna not only accomplish the things that God has put in front of you, but you're gonna find your life begins to get connected to people who are around you. If you're not actively involved in some manner of ministry, find something that you can get involved in here. 
There's a work that God wants you to do, and what we're saying is be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, wherever that might be, and when you get there, begin to ask the question, who am I to find? If the only focus that you have is to do the work that God has put in front of you, you're missing out on so much more. It's about the work that God, but as you study the book of Nehemiah, you find this amazing thing. They not only needed a wall to rebuild their city, they needed a community built through relationship that had been lost to a nation. And it was through their obedience to build, not only did they accomplish something that was amazing, but there was a rebirthing of community that happened as they worked together. And the last question you should be asking yourself is, what more is there to do? If the only thing Paul and Timothy had done was the work that they accomplished on that second missions trip, they still would have made history, but God had so much more for them. If the only thing that Nehemiah and Ezra did together was to rebuild that wall of Jerusalem, it would have been historic, but God had so much more for them. So God's calling you, find a work that's in front of you that you can begin to give yourself to and begin to look around and ask the question, who are the people that I'm supposed to be connecting with on this journey of labor and building the kingdom? But then you should have some sense of expectancy. All of us should have some sense of expectancy that there's more that God wants to use me for and I'm not gonna be able to do it without the people that are around me. Your calling is bigger than yourself. My calling is bigger than myself. We've gotta allow our lives to begin to connect to the people that are around us. If there is any hope of us fulfilling all the things that God has dreamed for us, then we have got to do it together with the people that are around us. All right, number three, I think we're gonna get through them. Come on, praise God, miracles happen even today. Acts 16, six through 10. Oh, I like this. This is, I would say, if you had to ask me to pick, if you were to say, Fred, I want you to pick the most important text in all of the Bible about leadership, what would it be? I would pick Acts chapter 16 until I'm preaching about leadership on something else in a month or so, but right, all right. That's what preachers do. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. This is still the second missionary journey that Paul's on. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. This is important because they left at the beginning of this second missionary trip with a very specific plan about where they were supposed to go. And we know that these were men who prayed and fasted, and so the plan that they had come up with just wasn't some good idea. It was a plan that was born out of prayer and fasting. But there are times where God takes us to this place because he's really trying to get us to that place and so and that's just part of the sovereignty of God why does he do it that way I don't know the answer to that question but as you're following God you've got to be open to the idea that the place that you're convinced that you're supposed to go once you get there it might be that God was getting you there because he's trying to get you over here sometimes God uses our desire to get to this place because he's trying to get us into that place right all growing up, Vanessa thought she was called to be an attorney. So when she graduated from William and Mary, that was her plan. She picked a major. Everything was about law school, and so she did an internship, right, for, at a lawyer's office that just happened to be where my mom was working. Praise the Lord, right? It wasn't about law. It was, it, it was about a meeting, 
Are you tracking with me? You've got to follow after the desires of your heart that God puts in there because sometimes he's trying to get you to this place because he's trying to take you to that place. So don't be obstinate when he changes up. And don't beat yourself up that you've made a mistake or I didn't hear from God. Come on, sometimes you hear from God correctly and then he just changes it. Well, and then you might say, well, why, why didn't he just tell me where to go to begin with? Well, you can take that up with him. So instead, they went through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia to help us. Now, this changed from verse 9 to verse 10 is the leadership moment. So we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We have a hope at City Life that God is going to build teams of leaders here to bear witness to the vision that he has for us. Here in in, in Acts, what we find is there was something that happened to take it from me to we. If you're visiting churches, one of the questions you should ask, you can ask it in different ways so it doesn't sound odd, but I would ask the question, if I were visiting churches, I would say, tell me about your me to we process. Tell me about your me to we process. When, when God speaks to you, right, as the lead pastor of the church, that's a vision he gives to you, that's the me moment. How does it go from me to we? Because for most churches, it goes from, from, from me, the pastor, to them as the congregation as a whole, but I don't believe that that's biblical. There's supposed to be a we that's in between. There should be leaders that the church raises up. That's what we see happening here. Paul has a vision. This is a me moment. Then he takes this vision and he talks about it with the people that are traveling with him. He submits it to them. And they begin to talk about it. It went from me to we. Too many leaders are in too big of a hurry to just do the things that they think that God is asking them to do before stopping to ask the question, what do you think? Did I hear from God? Does this bear witness to you? We are from me to we church before it gets to them. And and we're in a me to we process right now as a congregation. We're going to be talking to you at the end of January at our anniversary service. It's going to be huge. We're going to be talking about a 2020 vision that we feel like God is giving to us. It was this year that God began to speak to me about 1 Corinthians 1 through 10, chapter 1, verse 10. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time. But this is where Paul talks about there shouldn't be division in the church, not division in the sense of disunity, but division in the church that there should only be one vision. There There shouldn't be two visions. And then what he says is that people should be united in both thought and purpose. And God spoke to me and said, hey, Fred, in order for there to be a vision at City Life that's going to inspire, in order for you guys to go out and really accomplish something that's bigger than yourself, you've got to have a message vision and a mission vision. Now, we've had a message vision for some time now, which is heaven now, heaven forever, but God began to speak to me about a mission vision, about some things that he said, for this is what I want you all's focus to be. And then my responsibility as the lead pastor is then to take that to the governance team, and then we began to pray, we began to talk, and then we take it to the ministry life team council, now we've taken it to C squared, right? There's a whole process of me to we that it gets through by the time it gets to all of us together. That's what makes a church healthy, that's what makes a church safe. And that's the kind of church we are here at the City Life Church. We have a me-to-we process. We believe that leadership should participate in the big decisions that direct the church. Thessalonica. Paul's second missionary journey in 51 AD to 53-54 AD, he stops to preach in a city named Thessalonica. And eventually he travels further down the coast to Corinth where he stays more than a year Many of you are familiar with that. That's what ended up prompting First and Second Corinthians. 
And he stays there for more than a year, and there he writes his first letters. It's powerful, isn't it? We, again, we know the end of the story, but the end of the story hadn't been written yet. It's just this man. He's a missionary in the world, doing the things that God feels like has called him to do. And so he's in Corinth, and he ends up staying there for more than a year. And at some point while he's there, God begins to speak to him. I want you to write a couple of letters to the, the church that you just planted in Thessalonica. So he writes 1 Thessalonians. He writes 2 Thessalonians. Many scholars believe, and I agree with him, these are the very first two letters that Paul writes. Paul has no idea that God is going to use him to add to the Bible. The Bible was just Genesis to Malachi. That's it. Paul's writing letters. Now, do I think Paul had a sense that the Holy Spirit was using him? Yes, I do. Do I think Paul had a sense that the Holy Spirit was telling him what to say? Yes, I do. Do I think that Paul said, I am going to help rewrite Scripture? I don't think he had any idea. I don't think he had any idea. He was just being obedient in the moment. We have a hope at City Life, that even in the seemingly most insignificant moments of obedience, God could do something exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That's based out of Ephesians 3.20. We want you to have a hope tonight that God wants to use you to touch the world. And then when God is prompting you in small ways and it seems like, right, just with Paul, right, he could have said, like maybe some of us say, I don't, I don't want to take the time to write that letter. That's just, that's a lot of work. I'm not, I don't want to make that phone call. I don't really like that person anyways. I don't want to go out to lunch with them, God, right? Please, ask somebody else. Right, you ever have conversations? I have conversations like that with God. Do you have conversations like that with God? There is something about getting a vision for God using moments of obedience. They are seed moments. And sometimes we have no earthly idea how big that moment's gonna become. But when you begin to dig around in this book and you begin to recount these stories and then you begin to make them personal, it changes the way that you live your life. You begin to wake up every day with a sense of expectation. God, how are you going to use me today, God, to touch the world? Are there going to be people that I'm going to meet? They're a stranger today, but they could be one of my closest friends forever in my future. There should be some sense of expectancy that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We want you to have a hope that he's leading you, that he's directing you. There's ministry to be done. There's work to be done. There's relationships to be found. There's destiny to be fulfilled. You invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to do a couple of songs. And there's some people that I've asked to be available for prayer tonight. There's going to be three couples on this side and three couples on that side. We're going to get off the clock just a little bit. Nothing crazy. Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. But we want to just do a couple of songs because we, we, we want to create an opportunity for you to respond to what we just talked about. We want to talk about it tonight. Sometimes we're going to talk about it and send you on your way. Sometimes we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to say, let's do it together. So it might be that as you come up for prayer, God's going to give a verse of Scripture to one of these people that are praying for you to share with you. It might be that you're out there in these couple of songs, and God's going to share something with you, and you're going to work through those four crusts that I know that you wrote down so you wouldn't forget them. All right. So just this morning, I'm at home. I'm getting ready to head to the office, and, then, uh, and Chip, raise your hand, Chip, Chip sends me this email. See, this is awesome, because the guy, the, Vanessa didn't know I was going to be talking about moving to the prophetic, and then she comes up and shares that word. Chip didn't know what I was going to be talking about tonight, and then he sends me this email. It says, hope is one of my favorite subjects, he writes. It's probably one of my biggest prayers for others that the hope of his calling would be restored in their lives. 
Several months ago, Cheryl and I were having lunch and contemplating this when the Lord spoke this to my heart. This is what God said to him. You, you have to have more faith in the power of the seed than in the appearance of the lack of fruit. I'm not talking about just the seed of money, because I know we've been talking about generosity. That's not, he's talking here about the, the seed of our part, right? The, the part we're responsible for, our effort. That's this idea of the seed. I've been mulling over this from time to time, pondering and praying and sometimes sharing it with others when the situation arises. And a few days ago, Cheryl found a piece of paper that I wrote that statement on in one of her purses. And it it just rekindled the thought process all over again. This morning, I woke up with his thought at the center of my attention. If you want to write something, you should write that down, right? You should have some God thoughts that are at the center of your attention. Some of my thoughts were this, that our growth is often stunted because of disappointment and what we do not see, the appearance of the lack of fruit. He writes, hope rests in the unseen, the the power of the seed, and he's got verses that he lists here. Once we sow the seed as the sower, we cannot see how or when it will sprout. The power of the seed is in the dying and in an unseen place for an undetermined amount of time. The seed will bear its own kind after itself. We have two sets of eyes. This is, this is out of Ephesians 1.18. We have two sets of eyes. The ones in our head and then the eyes of our understanding. Our fight is in maintaining more reliance on our eyes of understanding than the eyes in our head. One set is eternal and the other is temporal. This is what he writes. Why I believe that this was such a focus of my attention today is that I believe that there are some people here at City Life who are disappointed or feel separated from the promises that they have placed on God. And because their eyes are focused on the evidence of the lack of fruit, they have lost their hope. In my mind, when you have lost hope, you've lost your faith. It's powerful, isn't it? It was like he snuck into my office this week and read all of my notes. That's the prophetic moving in a church. God speaking, confirming, and so you might be here tonight. This is what we want to just, we want to take just a few more minutes of your time just to give you an opportunity. You might be here and you say, Fred, that, that's my story because this is what hope is all about. If you don't find yourself in circumstances and situations that seem to call God a liar, then you don't even have the opportunity to experience hope it's because that's what hope is. It's when you have a promise from God and it's your circumstances seem to say that God has been lying to you. That's your first opportunity to have hope because you choose to believe in the promise instead of your circumstance. And so if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight, I'm gonna invite you to stand. The people are gonna come that are supposed to pray. They know where they're supposed to go. Come and go find your spot. And I'm just telling you, if you're here tonight and you have never had anybody pray with you before, come. I'm just, you might come and you might say, I don't even know I'm coming. You come. We're just going to do these two songs. Again, we're not going to be here for an extended amount of time. We, we want to create an opportunity for you to hear from God if you need to hear from Him. We want to create an opportunity for God to speak to you. Maybe it's something you're supposed to share with somebody else. Maybe you're going to come tonight and you're going to say, Fred, that's, you're going to tell the person you go for prayer. That's me. I've, just, I've been coming, but I don't really have a place where I'm serving. I just want you to pray. Help me to find my place of serving. You might be here and you just feel disconnected relationally. You come pray for that. You might come and you just say, I just feel hopeless. You come. Let's pray. God wants to speak. He wants to move in your life because there's work that you're supposed to do. There's people's lives that you're supposed to touch, and it could start with you tonight. Let's worship together.